Repeat the top with me, please. Say courageous, courageous. Priorities. priorities. This is a sermon that deals with a question about time. How much time do you have to correct your priorities? How much time do you have to aim your life in the right direction? It is when the high school senior comes to the last little bit of school and he's got that last you know, semester or so on and he, he didn't realize that he hadn't paid attention. And now adding up those credits and hoping you have enough is a real challenge. How much time do you have and are you running out of time? In our study this year, the goal has been to get you to sit down and have a courageous conversation with yourself and to sort out changes that you need to make in your life. And once you sort out those changes, the goal was to get you to plan, to make some plans so that you can implement those changes that you thought about. And once you decided to plan a change in your life, you needed the resources, which means you needed wealth. You needed the wealth of knowledge, people, in some cases money, a job, whatever it be. You needed something to help you implement your plan. Planning without resources is just a plan. You just had a conversation, but that's all you had. You've got to be able to say, I know I need to start a business, but I need the knowledge of how to start a business. I need to know, I need the money. I need a, a building. I need a lawnmower if I'm going to cut grass. I need the tools. But once you settle on the plan, once you get the wealth in your hand, the key then is priorities. Because if, you can, if you're not careful, you can get the loan to start the business and waste the money. You can get a good staff that can accomplish your goals, but you can structure your company where your company fails because your priority is not your staff development. It's not your team. Your staff is gliding and sliding. Before you know it, if you're not careful, your priorities are off. It's one thing to build a church. It's another thing to maintain it. Another thing to have teachings every week and to have a goal so you're here now, you're a mama, you're a daddy, you've got a family. What's the plan? Are they a priority? You asked for a wife and now she's not a priority. You asked for children, but they're not a priority now. You wanted a business, but it's not a priority. At some point in your life, if you don't establish priorities, you get in trouble. And let me tell you how I can tell what your priorities are. I start with one of five things. You ready? Say your definitions. Come on. Say it again. Come on. Say your definitions. How you define things will tell me your priorities. If I define preaching as an event that's supposed to excite everybody, it's supposed to be emotional, we're supposed to fall out, I will keep you here until you fall out. We will be here until you shout. Come on, talk to me, somebody. You want to go home today? You better say something. And they mean that too. You better say something. And that's tied to the second thing, your values. What are your values? Here's the deal. What are your non-negotiable life rules? I like that way that sounds. Say non-negotiable life rules. These are things that are non-negotiable. And you're going to feel I'm a little bit, little bit weird here a little bit when I tell you this. For some reason, in my mind, one of my non-negotiable life rules is you can't leave anything in the sink in our house. Oh, yeah, I know. Strange, I know, I got you. I was leaving home today to come to church, true. And I had some, this four pieces, you know, I had like three forks, a plate, 
and um, I used a little fryer to heat up a little, little toast this morning, and I just um, was going to leave it on the sink, kind of wire rinse it off and lay it on the side. I couldn't do it. I had to get a little soap. I had to wash the things, put them in the cabinet. It's like, ah, Temple, you got a problem. I know it. <laughs> then I got to dry the sink out. I'm, I'm, all right, pray for me. <laughs> Non-negotiable life rules. If my car is ever dirty, if you ever see it dirty, you know he didn't get something happen. My daughter said to me, one time my car got really dirty. She said, Daddy, I've never seen your car dirty. She's, in her th she's 30 years old. I have never, never. One more time, non-negotiable life rules. My mother had some non-negotiable life rules. Put your shirt in your pants. Non-negotiable. I have a hard time wearing my shirt out. Call me what you want to say what you want to. It's her fault. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you have to shine them. You have to try. You have to do something. Non-negotiable. What are your non-negotiable life rules? Things that you will not. Now, those are minor. Those are little pity things. We can throw those out. But there are some other things. I don't like to be broke. I hate it. I, I hate it with a passion. I want my own money. Say what you want to say. Talk about me. Pay go on top of my money. That sounds like a broke person. Say what you want to say. <laughs> hmm. I ain't got to ask you for $10. I can just ask Diane, praise God. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's some non-negotiable. Sometimes if you're not careful, you, you, have not, you have not identified your values. But that, those values will affect your priorities. It affects what you do first. You'll get up and go to work if that's a priority for you. You'll set some money aside when you get paid, even if it's $5, because that's a priority for you, and that's a value, non-negotiable. That then affects your goals. Your goals are impacted by that. What are you working towards? What, what, what is it that you see yourself being? When you get up in the morning, is that the guy you wanted to be? Is that the person you wanted to be? That's what makes you feel proud about yourself, I'm telling you. When you, when, you, when you do what you said I wanted to do, you wanted to do, this is my life. I dreamed of this. And I work toward this. I go to school and I'll pay the price. I'll study the hours. Yes, I will. You don't have to make me study. I'll park myself at that table and sit here because I want this. Nobody can make me do it. Nobody's to make you go to school. That's the problem. You know, somebody's, well, who's going to make you? No professors will say, see you next semester. <laughs> and the next and the next and the next. As long as your money runs. There's something about understanding that my goals, my goals. Can you come on? Say my goals. My goals. No, no, hand signals. People say my goals. my goals. Where are your goals? Not, not your mama's, your daddy's, anybody else. That will affect your priorities. If your goal is to make your friends happy, then go hang out with them when you're supposed to be studying. Fine. If your goal is, if your goal is to make them think you're wonderful, then go for it. If your goal is a man, then hunt you one down. Make your life about hunting somebody, hooking up with somebody. That's your goal in life, to hook up with as many people as you can. That's fine. If that's your goal, go for it. That's not my goal. 
especially if you're on the Ancestry.com thing. You better watch out. Something about pop up on you, surprise you. <laughs> Y'all know what that is? Oh, boy, Jesus have mercy. We got that thing. You know, you, I'm sorry, it's your DNA. You know, you send them people, you the saliva there, and they, and, they, and, and they put you in the DNA bank, and all them people that you didn't know was cousins start popping up. <laughs> At some point in your life, if your goal is to just populate the planet, then that's, that's your goal in life. What your goal is will affect what you do first. That's what the word priority means, prior. The root word, the idea of what, what I do first. And I think it's time to sort that out. In the book of Esther, there's this incredible story that shows how priorities can unfold in a life. There's a guy, he's king, named Assyrius, Persian king, and he's, he's rolling in money, He's rolling in life, and he has a wife named Vashti, and he's having a big party, and he asks this woman, Vashti's wife, to come and, come on, girl. He's high as kite. He's drunk. He said, come on. I want all my friends to see you. Put on your crown, girl. Let me see you. And, and girlfriend said, no, I'm not coming out there in front of your drunk friends. I'm not coming. No, she wouldn't come. And so they fired her. His friend said, you better, you better fire her because all the men in the kingdom are going to be embarrassed because of, you know, she, 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 she didn't only disrespect you, she disrespected all of us. And so he let them talk him into dismissing his wife. Well, once she was dismissed in chapter 1 of Esther, then in chapter 2, he found him a new wife, Esther. Now, who was she? Well, Esther was a woman who lost her mom and her daddy, was raised by a guy named Mordecai. Can you say his name, please? Mordecai, Mordecai raised her. Mordecai was the guy. Now, it's an amazing story because Mordecai was her, uncle, was, was her cousin. He wasn't even a you know, a close relative. He's a cousin. But he took her in when her parents died. I like that because you have a man raising a pretty girl who's smart and gifted, becomes queen, did a good job. It's amazing. You don't have to have all the pieces. You know, just, just be, be good at what you can do. If you're a mama and you raise them by yourself, you can do it. If you're, you know, and this guy, I mean, I mean, you got the hair to deal with. You got all that stuff to work with. But he did it. Must have been a proud moment. And he used to stand by the, by the gate. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mordecai. I raised her. You know, she's queen now. Good life. Then there's a guy in the story. His name is Haman. Say his name. Haman. Now, Haman worked for the king. And in chapter 3 of, of Esther, Haman is exalted. The king liked him. Gave him a lot of power and position and money. He's a multimillionaire. Got a lot of money. Rolling in dough. And the king said to everybody, when you walk by, Haman, I want you to bow, show him honor. Who said that? The king said it. But Mordecai didn't like it. Mordecai said, I ain't bowing to him. When he walked by, I'm not going to bow at all. So when he came through the gate, everybody bowed but Mordecai. Now, why wouldn't he bow? Well, because he said he was a Jew. That's all he said. He didn't say anything else. That's the only answer he gave in the Bible. I am a Jew. Now, you can argue he thought maybe I'm trying to show homage to a man too much. He's just a man. I'm trying to get me to worship him. Haman didn't ask him to worship him. He just asked him to show honor. Like the king said, but Mordecai said no. Now, in my opinion, Mordecai should have bowed. Give honor. Repeat it with him, please. Come on, say, give honor, give honor. to whom honor is due. So here's the deal. If your supervisor is crazy, give honor, give honor. to whom honor is due. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? You have to give honor. Now, you still have to give honor. 
You have to, you have to show honor. You cannot be uh, dishonorable. But Mordecai said, no, I ain't doing it. So Haman didn't know it. His friends told him. Come on, say, who told him? So one day, you know, Haman comes through. Mordecai didn't buy. He said, did you see that? See what? That, that guy right there, Mordecai, he don't buy when you walk by. You kidding? Let me go back by again. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. He, go, he sure didn't. Look at you didn't buy with your stubborn self. Uh-huh. So he comes up with a plan. We're going to kill him. And his whole family. No, not just his family. All his people. What is he, a Jew? Kill all the Jews. I'm going to set a date. Set a time. 13th of Adar. Say it with me. Come on. 13th of Adar. We're going to kill him. That's the 13th of March. Going to kill him. Dead. And his people. All in one day. Make him kill everybody day. Now, all of this because he's upset. Now, please understand. This causes a problem. And there are five things in your notes. I'm going to add one to it that I believe happened because of his rage. One man's rage can change everything. One angry person. 127 provinces are infected because of this. From India to Ethiopia. One man's rage. One man sets this thing in motion that is amazing. The entire community becomes hostile toward the Jews, all 127 provinces. His rage caused the Jews to panic for one year. Chapter 3, verse 12. All of all the whole nation of Israel, you'll see in a minute, panicked for one year. His rage forced the Jews, now watch this now, forced the Jews to defend themselves. And what's so wicked about this is, you know, he was so enraged with them that he told the king, I'll pay for it. I'll show you that in a minute. I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll kill everybody. You know, I didn't pay for a king. I, 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 I'm rich. I'll pay for all of it. And it was millions of dollars. I'll show you that in a minute. All because he was angry. But this forced the Jews to do something. It forced the Jews to defend themselves. And what's amazing is, now this is, this is astonishing. When you send out that many notices, right, and you tell 127 provinces or states or whatever you want to call it to, to, to you know, kill the Jews on the 13th of Adar, and you try to change it, it's hard. Because they understand, they didn't have e-blast, email, couldn't call everybody, couldn't put it on CNN. Okay, we're not going to kill them. You know, you could change your mind. So now that he's done this, later on, we're going to find out next week, the king rescinds it. But when he rescinds it, when he says, no, we're not going to do that, when he finds out about it, the sad part is, it's too late. Ran out of time. 75,000 people died by the time they got back on track. The danger of you being in the wrong place, having the wrong priorities, allowing yourself to go in the wrong direction is who you hurt. 75,000 people die. All because of one guy's anger. 
How much time do you have to establish the right priorities before you do something you can't repair? How long do you have before your priorities damage something you can't repair? Now, let me show you, if I can, the impact of Haman's priorities. And I want you to watch the timeline challenge that he created. You ready? Number one, notice Haman started a clock he could not stop. Say that with me, please. Come on. Haman started a clock he could not stop. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. And the letters were sent by couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day. How many days? One day. On the 13th of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, which is March. And I want you to plunder their possessions. Going around now in the hearts and minds of these people is this date. It's an incredible date. Now, a date that can't be stopped. This is the danger. Starting things you can't stop. Young people sometimes don't believe that because they haven't seen it. They have not seen a marriage wrecked and the children and all that that follows. They haven't seen that. They haven't lived through it. They have not seen bankruptcy and loss of income and loss. They haven't seen it. They haven't seen the person get sick from eating certain things, doing certain things. They've never seen anybody die from smoking. They've never seen that. They've never seen anybody die from secondhand smoke. Not firsthand, secondhand smoke. And the powerful impact of being around smoking and what it does to you second, third hand. It's amazing. And because you haven't seen anybody walk around with the oxygen tank trying to breathe, you don't have a clue what that's like. You haven't seen anybody lay in a, in a, in a um, nursing home and die from a, from a, from a trans, sexually transmitted disease that's young. I see her in my head today. Pastor Rick, all I want to do is live in love, happy with a, the with a guy who gave her AIDS. Someone who did not care. If you have a disease, be responsible. Care. Be a loving, caring person. Please. Be responsible. If you're going to be irresponsible, be responsible. Everybody get the code I'm giving you? So in this moment, you say, Something has started now that Haman's never seen. Clock started, and look at chapter 4, verse 3. And in every province where the king's command and, de and decree arrived, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, <coughs> excuse me, and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Haman started a grieving he could not stop. All because one man wouldn't bow. Pause for a second. Think about this. Why wouldn't you bow Mordecai solve all this? Why is it all Haman's fault? Yes, it's, it's, it's because he's the leader, it's his fault, true, but you should have bowed. Sometimes you're not the major blame, but you're just part of the blame. Your sister was the wronger person, but you went too far too. Your mom and daddy weren't really fair, but you weren't climbing out the window and bringing guys in the house or, or stealing the money or whatever you did. 
uh, going to school and goofing off with the money and not going to class and all that other stuff after they worked hard to get you there. They aren't perfect, but you're not right either. Just saying. At some point, you've got to see Haman has a part in this, Mordecai has a part in this, but more importantly, the whole family is a part of it. Haman started his family down a road that he could not stop. He came to them, remember, and he told them how angry he was. Let me show you what I mean. Look at chapter 5, verse 9. So Haman went out that day joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, where did he see him at? King's gate is where he used to hang out. And then he did not stand or tremble before him. He was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself, and he went home. Where did he go? And he sent call for his friends, his wife, Zeresh. And Haman set them all down, started talking to them. He told them of his great riches. I'm loaded, man. I got a lot of money. I am loaded, people. I have a lot of money, means dollars. <laughs> and I have a multitude of children. Look, say it's one, four, five, nine, ten of them. Bunch of children. Everything which the king has promoted me, promoted me and how he has advanced me above all the officials and the servants of the king. Moreover, beside that, the queen Esther has invited no one but me to come with her with the king to the banquet she's prepared. Tomorrow, I get to go to the banquet, and I'm invited by her, along with the king. Yet, verse 13, listen to this now. All this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Where was he sitting at? Then his wife said, honey, look close now. This is what it says. Look close now. Honey, be reasonable. Calm down. Stop where you are. You're having a temper tantrum. Don't do this. Let it go. That ain't what she said. Excuse my grandma. Here's what she said. Then the wife, his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, Hang him! Fill a gallows. Fifty cubits. Hang him! That's what they told him. Now, I want you to pay close attention. Who told him to hang the man? One more time. Who told him to hang his his wife told him. See, sometimes <laughs> you got a gang-banging wife. <laughs> you, got, you got you a gangster. You got gangster friends. You go to them for advice. They give you gangster advice. They're not stoppers. They're encouragers. You know what you'd be surprised in crime? Families. They train their children to steal. I was in the store the other day. I was, I should have, I, I wanted to call security. I was in the store. Let me tell you what I saw. I saw a crime. I was in the grocery store, and this woman was walking, riding her child around, and the child had an apple. He was eating it. It still had the stick on it, so I know they ain't paid for it. And you know they weigh that stuff. So I'm saying, well, why are you going with this? And she looks just as innocent as she could be. And the baby was eating the thing. I said, well, no, you can't eat that. We didn't pay for it yet. I think that's illegal. Isn't that stealing? That's stealing. I, I just thought, what, what, what? And then one time, one time, one time. I hope you ain't watching. One time. You know how they have the grapes open? 
I'm going to make some of y'all nervous now, see. <laughs> I was getting some grapes, right? And this brother was standing there. He was, I'm, he was going from bag to bag. He was wearing about. I'm just sitting there. And I, I stood there. I said, well, I was waiting for him so I can get some grapes. But he, he was emptying all the bags. And so he said, oh, hey, Pastor Rick. <laughs> he said, this is allowed, you know. This is okay. He said, they, they, plan, they, put, they put this in the budget. He said, you want some? I said, no, it's okay. <laughs> he, he, he bought one little bag and walked off. And I didn't say that. I said, it's okay. If you're watching, brother, ain't nothing personal. I'm just telling my story. I mean, in the moment, it's a moment where you sit there and you go, you know, it's amazing how your family sometimes. They can train you in criminal behavior. You're sitting there watching a television that your son brought home. You're watching Christian television, and it costs $50, and it's an 18,000-square-feet television. Now, you know he didn't get no, okay, 18,000, that's a bit much, but he didn't get that 50-square-foot, 50-foot, what is it, 50 feet? How do you say it? 50-inch television, help me out. 50-inch television for $50. No, I'm not. a friend of mine gave it to me for uh, $50. He said he bought it from Walmart. And you said, no, you didn't. You're lying. You stole that TV. It's amazing how sometimes your family, they're the ones who train you. Can I tell you about another crime in my life? I'm going to confess it. This is another criminal act. How many of you used to go to the drive-in? Drive-in. Now, don't raise your hand. I'm going to be the only criminal raising my hand in the church. Put your hands down. Don't say you did it. I know I did it. I was forced. They used to have me get in the trunk. <laughs> Don't say you did it now, okay? I think what they call it, when the time run out, they can't prosecute you now. Uh, but uh, I used to get in the movie, get in the trunk. Get in the trunk, Rick. Get in the trunk. I said, okay. And we crawled in the trunk. Don't say nothing. And they drive through. And time we get in, they open the trunk and let us out. You said you had a bad family, didn't you? <laughs> no, not everybody, you know, but they did little things every now and then, little things. And, and that's one of the little things they did. And I'm, and I'm telling you, it, 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 it's, it's amazing how this guy in this moment is blinded and his family does not stop him. Wow. So watch what happens. All of a sudden, one day, he finds himself in a, an amazing circumstance. Eventually, if you're blinded, eventually if you are in this, have these wrong priorities, you run into yourself, I call it. One day the king in chapter 6 of Esther, he's kind of bored, walking around, nothing to do, and he opens up this his, history book they had, a little book of, of facts, and it talks about things that happened in the kingdom. And he opens the book up, and he's reading the book, and he says, oh, look at this. This is a story about somebody who tried to kill me. And he starts to read his story, and he says, oh, okay. And so there was two guys who were at the gate, and they were talking to this guy named Mordecai. And Mordecai heard them say they were going to kill me. And so this guy named Mordecai saved my life. We found out the two guys were guilty and, you know, arrested them. And, but nobody ever rewarded this Mordecai. So he yells out loud. He says, hey, who's in here? I need somebody. Is there any leader out here? So they say, oh, yeah, Haman's right out in the lobby. 
So they go get Haman and say, Haman, come here. So Haman, he said, Haman, I have a question for you. <laughs> Haman came in, verse 6, chapter 6, and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? <laughs> Hang with me now. When you're blinded because your priorities are wrong and your attitude's wrong, you can't see. You get so caught up in your own view, in your own argument, in your own way of thinking that you cannot see. That's a dangerous place to be. So watch what happened. Verse 7. And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, here's what you should do for a guy like that king, thinking it was him. First of all, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal uh, crest placed on his head. Verse 9. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princesses that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Now notice he didn't say give me money because he had plenty of money. He didn't say promote me because he was already the top man in the kingdom. He had everything. He just wanted to be honored. So what, what the king says, verse 10, now the king said to him, to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse as you've suggested and do so for Mordecai the Jew <laughs> who sits within the king's gate. Yeah, I know where he stays. I see him all the time. I know exactly, <laughs> I know exactly where he is. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. If so, so Haman, rather, took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square. Now, you know people talking. Hey, did you see Haman? You know, he can't stand Mordecai. Look, he, he walking through the city with him. So he proclaimed before him, say it aloud with him, please. Come on, say, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights. To honor. Here's what's true. If your priorities are wrong, you will eventually be embarrassed. It's just a matter of time. And what's amazing is it's an embarrassment sometimes you can't recover from. Time. David ran out of time. Saul ran out of time. Eli ran out of time. Judas ran out of time. Bible's full of them. Priorities in the wrong place. If you get your priorities in the wrong place, it's an amazing thing that happens to you. Here's the deal. You ready? I'm going to jump way ahead of a series. You ready? Down the road just a little bit. There are two sermons I'm going to teach on. For you young people, on the fifth Sunday, I'm going to talk about the power of a moment. How in one moment, you can change your life. Forever. For good or bad. Then the next series, the next longer series, which will be about four sermons, I'm going to talk about courageous, oh my goodness, focus. Once you establish priorities, you got to stay focused. 
If you don't stay focused, if you don't stop people from distracting you, you will never get there. Laser focused. This is my church, my job. I need to come here and be on time. These are your assignments. You are a student. Think like one. Act like one. Study like one. Stop talking like an entrepreneur. No, you are a broke student. Dreaming to be an entrepreneur. Pay the price. Pay attention. Get it done. And build a future. If you got a business, pay attention. You're in business. Go to work. Be focused in your life. This guy's off focus. His priorities are off. His attitude's off. And so this amazing thing happens in chapter 6, verse 12. Watch this. After Mordecai went back to the king's gate, Haman hurried to his house, mourning with his head covered, screaming, ah, screaming. When Haman told his wife, called his wife back in, baby, I got to talk to you about my day. And all of his friends, all his wise men, he told them everything that happened to him, and his wise men and his wife. Zeresh said to him, listen carefully, listen to this. Hey, you know, if Mordecai before whom you have begun to fall is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail uh, against him, but will surely fall before him. Uh, pardon? Uh, excuse me, didn't you tell me to hang him? Wait, uh, wait, 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 back up, back up the train, back up the train, back up the train. Wait, 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 wait. You told me to hang this man 50 cubits. Now, you telling me I'm going to fail? Oh, no. You ever had people tell you to do stuff and then not like they didn't tell you? They told you to go on that job, cuss that man out, and tell him you're not going to take it another day, and you now nah, quit first. I can find another job, and you did it. Now you need $500 to pay your rent. They say, I ain't got no $500. You ever had that happen to you? <laughs> they say, well, I know I told you to stand up for yourself, but you know I ain't got no money. No, and you can't live with me. You better go to your mama's house or your cousin or somebody. You can't, ain't no room in here. And you say, well, didn't you tell me? Didn't you, didn't you, didn't you, his wife, this woman needed counseling, bad advice, bad friends, telling you to do all kind of crazy stuff, and then say, ooh, they read about your newspapers, ooh, wow, and they want him to come visit you in prison. In this moment, he's embarrassed. Verse 14 is a scary moment, though. You ready? Look at verse 14. In verse 14, a statement is made. Look at this. In verse 14, <laughs> while they were still talking. Say it with me, please. Come on. While they were still telling him to leave Mordecai alone, the king's eunuchs came and hastened Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. Oh, boy. Now I got to go to the banquet. I'm all head spinning. I just got over driving, riding that, that man down the road, talking about he's an honor him and all that stuff. And now I've got to go. And when he goes, we'll find out next week how it went for him. 
Esther, though, flipping the switch a minute, as we close, is in another place. Everybody's running up against the clock because of what he did. 13th of Adar is coming. Now Haman has started something he can't stop. Now Esther has faced with a challenge she can't avoid. Because of the 13th of Adar, the 13th of March is coming, Mordecai sends her a message. Says, you, better, you need to go and talk to the king about this date. And she says, listen, uh, you know, if I go in there, they might kill me. I can't just run up on the king because, you know, I haven't seen him in 30 days, even though he's my husband, you know, different kind of relationship back then. And uh, so you, you couldn't just go, hey, honey, you couldn't do that because they kill you. Some of you say, wow, that's a special marriage, isn't it? She had to wait until he called for her. And so he hadn't called for her in 30 days. And so she tells Mordecai that. And Mordecai said, well, you know you're a Jew. They're going to find out you're a Jew, too. You know, they're going to kill you, too. So here's what she says. She decides to risk her life and go to the king. But look at verse chapter 4, verse 15. Then Esther took, told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and do what? Fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids will join and we're going to fast and pray. And here's the deal. If I perish, I perish. I'm going to do what's right. Say that with me, please. I am going to do what's right, even if it costs me. I'll never, ever, ever, ever disobey God. I'll never, ever do this, even if it means I'm never sexually active again in my life. Oh, y'all say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what she said. How determined are you to obey God? How committed are you? If I perish, I perish. It's when a dad says no. When your pastor, outside of your view, when I'm traveling all over the world, when I'm by myself, do I say no? Do I draw a line? You can't draw it for me. She said, if I perish, I perish. So she goes before the king. They fast for three days. He sees her. Paraphrase. Hey, girl. <laughs> Come here. And she comes up. What you want? Half my kingdom. What you want? I give you what you want. What you want? All I want you to do, come to my party. All I want you to do, come to my banquet. And when you come, bring Haman with you. Everybody said, uh-oh. <laughs> it's amazing how this woman made a decision, put her priorities in line, and stayed focused. Are you? You know, the next sermon is all about one word, results. And I'm going to ask you a question. Did you get what you wanted? Are these the results you wanted? It's a story about a man who ran out of time. It's a story about a family that had a chance. One man created all this. You have that power. The Bible said with your words, you can send a flame all the way through your house. You can destroy your kids. 
All you got to do is say, you sorry, trifling, no good for nothing, never going to be nothing like your daddy, girl. That's all you got to say. Set fire. You're dumb and you're lazy and you're never going to have any. That's all you got to do is set a fire, y'all. That's all you got to do. Go tell everybody everything they did wrong. I'm going to help you with this. I get that sometimes. Let me tell you about it. Come here. Come here. Stand in front of Pastor Rick. Let me tell you. Tell Pastor Rick about your grades. Tell Pastor Rick about you. Tell Pastor Rick who was in the house the other day when I came home. Tell Pastor Rick. You know what I want to say? Tell me your secrets. Let's go behind the barn about 50 years ago, 20 years ago. Act like you don't know nothing. Get all holy now. Raise your hands up and speak in tongues or something. Come on, let me hear you. Embarrass people. Drag their sins out in public. Why? You ought to understand. You've been tempted. You ought to understand. Bring a baby in my house. If you had a baby for every time you had, okay, how many babies would you have? Thank you. Count them up. Act like you don't know what I'm saying. Look, hold it now. Lift your head up. <laughs> Speak in tongues. Go ahead. You know why I'm nice to people? Because I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. Great God. That's why. You need to stop it. Don't act like Haman. Don't send out those notices you can't take back. Don't be like Mordecai. Too proud to bow. And act like your hands are innocent. You got your hands in this too. Stop the train. Time's running out. You don't have forever. All you got to be is a pastor for 38 years, 37. Right here. I'm standing where the casket's laid. Right here. Hundreds. You see me do it? see me do it. They say I preach my best funeral. They say I preach my best sermons at the funerals. That's what they say. That's what they say. Come hear him at the funerals. Passes off the charts. Lord help us. Some of you need to stop. You are Haman in your family. And you need to stop before it's too late. You are a nice Mordecai in your family. And you need to stop before it's too late. You are an Esther. And you got to do something. You cannot let this continue. You cannot know that that man's abusing your baby and you sitting there looking like you don't know. You 
can't, you can't, you can't, you can't endorse that. If you perish, you perish. Not for some security. We need a minute of prayer. I'm out of time, but y'all give me two minutes, would you? Bow your heads and pray for just a minute in your own little way. In your own way, just pray. If you're home watching, just take a minute. Just take a moment. For some of you right now, this is a moment. I ain't got time, but I'm going to do it. Everybody stand. I don't have time, but I'm going to do it. Something I said spoke to you. Come on to this altar. Don't know what it is. Don't know what, how it applies. Come on to this altar. I don't know who you are, what you're dealing with. Come on. No judgment. Just come on down. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm waiting on you. I don't have time, but I'm going to make time because I got to obey God today. So come on. Come on down here. Come on. I'm waiting on you. For whatever reason you need to come, you come. Whatever reason there is in this message. Come closer, please. Come closer. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it is. I don't know your story. Come. I need you to come. Waiting on you. Time. Time. I've watched him over the years. He's a God that has great creativity. He didn't spare David. He didn't spare Samuel. He didn't spare Cain. He didn't spare anybody. There are no favorites. He is a God who is just. And in time, that's why I tell you, watch the news, so I'll keep watching. Keep paying attention. All you got to do is live long enough, see enough, deal with enough people, and you see it. You say, yep. All things, the Bible said, done in secret will come to the light. The Bible said all things will become naked before him. That's why the best plan is to come to God, even in your confusion, and lay yourself before him and say, I don't know how to fix this. I don't even know what to do about it. I don't know if, it's, if I have time to, but I know what I can do. I can bring it to you. You see, Nineveh was in a bad place. They were in a sinful place. And they came to God and said, we need your forgiveness. And he forgave them. It wasn't for 150 years later they were destroyed again. He came back to them because they backslid again. And in the book of Nahum, the whole nation was destroyed but, but by the Babylonians. They came and captured all of them. But at the end of the day, down the road, you see, there is a day, there's a moment when your life can change. Every hand lifted, please. Father, we all come today with all different stories at this altar. Some aren't at this altar, but some are at the altar in their heart. Some are at the altar in their home, in a car. Some are in a place where they would say, I need to hear what God is saying. And I need a change of my life. I have been the Haman. I've been, I've been oh God, the Esther. But I didn't go. I've been the one who tried to save myself. I allowed things to go on that I shouldn't have. And I watched people around me die. 
because I wouldn't say anything. Forgive me, Lord, for that fear. But today I come lifting my hand up to you, thanking you for your grace, praying and believing that this is a time of change for me, a time of healing for me, and that you can forgive and restore in ways that no one else can. You can give us back the years the locusts have eaten. You can, you can destroy guilt and shame. You can, you can redeem us in ways, oh God, that only you can. So today I surrender to you. We pray for those in this room. We pray for those who are home right now, live. We pray for those who are on demand. That this is a moment of deliverance and healing and forgiveness for everyone here. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a big hand clap? Can you give God a big hand clap? Now, one more prayer. One more prayer. Every head bowed, please. Every head bowed. For some of you, this is a moment of spiritual decision where you need to give your life to Christ. You need to make a decision about your life eternally. And you need to say, Lord, I need you in my life, and I want you to touch me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're saying, pray for me. Pray for me in my spiritual walk, Pastor. I, I need to give my life to God in a new way. I hear you today, and I want, I, want, I want to make that decision. Raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody? I see one. I see two. I see three, I see four, I see five, I see six, I see seven, I see more. I see about five more here. I see more. I see some back there. Father, in Jesus' name, I see you. I see a 12, 15, I see a lot of folks. Father, touch all of these who are here, whose hands are, whose hands are raised, whose hearts are saying, I need to start a life with Jesus. Let this be the moment where they say, I surrender my life to you, and I trust you with my life. I want to see you be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now give God a big hand clap. Would you please thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name.